Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. So I've been preaching on Ezekiel chapter 37 for an entire year at my church. Every time I take the pulpit, everyone knows I'm preaching out of Ezekiel 37. There's weeks where I take three weeks, four weeks for one verse. So today, um, I'm going to be talking about Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 14. And it's not going to pop up, so I'm going to need you to look at your phones or your Bibles. And I'm going to read this with you. And uh, we're going to kind of dissect the scripture here. In Ezekiel 37, verse 14, it says, I will put my spirit in you. Somebody shout, in you. Good. And then it says, and you shall live. And listen to this. And I will place you in. Somebody say, you in. You see the difference there? In you and you in. Very important. Your own land... Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. It's a powerful verse. We can say amen, shut the door, and go home today because God is so faithful. Praise the Lord. But let me get a little deeper here with you guys. It says this. I'm going to focus on some statements, and I'm going to go into it here. You know, it's, it's precious that God says, I will. It's precious. Because I will is a statement that comes because you want to, not because you have to. It is a choice that God says, I will. It's interesting enough to see that when God says this and makes this choice, his people were not in the greatest place, physically or spiritually. But God says, I will. That's precious. It's so precious that it will allow you to understand what we're going to read now. It says, I will put my spirit in you. Here comes the first thing that we're going to be talking about today, which is a change of condition. I want you to see how God will change the condition of his people. It is not a temporal condition that he is changing. It is an eternal condition that he is working on. And the only way he could do that is by placing his spirit in you. This is fantastic because in this verse, it gives us a difference of our position and our condition. And today, we start off with our condition because it is the most important thing. You have to understand that God has chosen to pour His Spirit upon a people that are lost, confused. They are not in their own land. Some of them are worshiping other other gods. I mean, they're in a rough place. And I want to let you know that God did the same thing to us. And He does that to all of humanity. As in the Bible, in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it says, But we have this treasure in earthly vessels. The Bible says that we have a treasure, and this treasure is incorruptible, and that is the Spirit of God. And I want to let you know that the Spirit of God dwells in vessels, jars of clay, a.k.a. dirt. Because that's what we are. People say, where are you from? I'm Puerto Rico. Tito's here. God bless you, Tito. Love you, man, so much. Where are you from? Where, you know, oh, I came from Adam. You didn't come from Adam. You came from the dirt. 
Because the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, that God created man out of the dirt. So we are nothing. But God says, I will. It's precious to see how God puts something so valuable in something so dirty. And, and you have to understand, and, and maybe this gives you a sense of being grateful and understanding that what we have from God, we do not deserve. But God says, I will put my spirit in you so that your condition shall change and we could be one. Our condition was lost. Our condition was separated. Our condition was enemies of God. That was our condition. But God says, I will put my spirit in you and you will see the change of our condition. The only way you could change your condition is through the spirit of the living God. And we know that because your fruits shall change as God's holy presence is in you. There's no other way you could change your condition. And condition today is something that you may not be able to see. But it is the most important thing. He goes in order in this scripture in Ezekiel and he talks about how the spirit shall go in you. <clears throat> and we will understand that statement because in order for you to flourish where God places you in, you must have what God has designed to be in you, which is the spirit of God. There is no sense in desiring a marriage, a home, and children in every other position given to man if our condition is not different. Because if our condition is not right, we will ruin our position. There are so many people in Scripture that teach us that our condition is more important than position. As a matter of fact, many times our position will bring a pressure that will produce the condition that is within us. You know, I believe that our, our position is, is sometimes filled with so much pressure because God puts it there so that what can come out of us is the spirit and not the crate. crate. You guys know what I'm talking about? I want to give you an example here today in regards to the Spirit of God going in us and us realizing that we are nothing. <laughs> go outside here today when you, go, you leave and when you look at the grass, just go in there and pull some grass out and grab some dirt and hold it in your hand. For some of us, we don't even like to get our hands dirty. But praise the Lord that God is a potter and we are the clay and God isn't scared <laughs> of getting his hands dirty with us. Your pastor and I, we travel quite a bit, you know, for those of you who do not know. Yes, uh, we are family, family for real, for real, and in the Lord. Our wives are very special individuals, and I think they're listening, Nancy and Anika maybe. But So <clears throat> we have these fur babies with us. They're called dogs, and when we travel, we try to adjust our traveling plans so that our dogs can go with us now. And God is real. The fact that your pastor has a dog, I'm telling you, God is real. God is real. God is real. So when we rented a hotel room and we get to Orlando, 
And um, my wife is an individual that can smell the garbage from the parking lot. That's her, her senses are so heightened. She s- smells everything and anything. <clears throat> and we walk up, and, and the minute we get to the hotel, we're looking around, and I go, they're, they're under construction, no big deal. But we get to the door, we open the door, and, and I know my wife. And when the door swings open, it was rough. I'm a missionary at heart. I could stay there and be okay, but my, my wife wasn't in the missionary attitude at the moment. <laughs> Especially with COVID and everything going on and it being sanitized, and you guys know the whole routine, right? So what made the situation worse is that she found a, a, you know, a, 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 a chip bag in the drawer, and there was chip crumbs everywhere, and it was, it was just an utter mess. And she tells me, Leo, we are not staying here. Men, you know what I'm talking about here? <clears throat> I have carried every luggage up the stairs on this thing, you know, Tito. And I don't have children, but I have a dog. And, it, you know, it, it's a crate and all this stuff. Me and Rigo are pushing everything up. I'm looking at Rigo, rolling my eyes. And she's like, we're not staying here. I said, look, let's go have dinner. You think about it. And then after dinner, we'll make the decision. Think about it. They were online. Nancy was looking here. Look at Quinta in. Look at Listen, before we finished our meal, we were leaving. I say this because as human beings, we don't like dwelling in dirty places. Oh. But thank the Lord that he's not a human and he's God Almighty and he doesn't care how dirty you are and he'll stay and dwell with you and he will not leave you nor forsake you as dirty as you may think you are or as dirty as the enemy has made you think. God says, let me in and I will stay here for you and I will stay here and clean this place up. But that only happens when the Spirit of God is in you. And our condition changes. Who we really are, God says, not only will I get my hands dirty with you, but I'll place my lips on you. My daughter and your pastor, Pastor, sorry, pastor Regal, your, my, he, my daughter gets this from him. Um, if I were, you know, she came out of my wife and I helped the cause, right? And she, she gets more credit. Come on, guys. You understand what I'm talking about. <clears throat> if I'm stirring her food and, and God forbid I stick it in my mouth. If I stick the spoon in my mouth, it better not go back on her plate. Like if I'm dying of thirst, she'll let me die of thirst for her, for, for me not to put my lips on her cup because at that point it is contaminated. If I put that fork on the plate, the food is done with. That food is done. She's not eating it. Put it in the garbage. I'm not hungry anymore. And God says, oh, man, from the dirt he formed us, and it was just a shell. And he says that he put his lips on, his, on the nostrils of, of this created being on the dirt. And he blew the breath of life into you. He is not scared to get dirty. As a matter of fact, he will put the most precious thing that money can buy. I mean, it cannot even come close. The treasure. Paul says, what good is it for me to gain the world if I lose my soul? Because what's in us is so valuable and powerful. Out of everything in this world, nothing can change humanity like the spirit of the living God. 
There is no program. There is no relationship. There aren't any activities. There's no song. There's no pastor. There's no church. There's no song leader. There's absolutely nothing that can change your condition but the spirit of the living God. And when that happens, you will flourish in any position God places you. I'm not talking about the ones that produce flowers, but the one that will produce tears. You will flourish because your condition is no longer the same. We're just getting started. So we jump to the next verse. And before we get... Not the next verse, just the next part of this verse. I will put my spirit in you. Everybody understand that already, right? I hope you understand the importance of that, right? We got that right? All right, so let's get educated as we jump over here. As he's changed our position, it says, and you shall what? Because the spirit of God sets you up. And you shall live. Somebody shout, setting me up. Say that. <laughs> The Spirit of God is in you because He is setting you up for victory. He is setting you up for life. There is no position that can set you up for life. The only thing that could set you up for life is the Spirit of the living God. The minute your condition is changed, now you're ready. He has set you up and ready for you to accomplish and face anything that comes your way. It sets you up. That's what the Spirit of God does. It sets you up so great that when this body passes, the spirit that dwells within you sets you right up to the living God and sets you right at the right hand of the Father. The spirit of the living God can only do that. I will put my spirit in you and you shall live. Thank you, Lord, for that spiritual condition that has been changed. Because I once was your enemy and now I'm your child. Look at the change that you've received. <laughs> now he says, I will place you in your own land. How come he didn't put the land first? Because the land doesn't matter if the spirit is not in you. Your marriage doesn't matter. The way you parent doesn't matter. You'll ruin it if the spirit is not there. Put God first, and all things shall be added. So many of us give so much importance to what we're in versus what is in us. And God says, that's not the order of things. What's most important is what's in you, because that's what's valuable. And when you recognize what's in you, then where I place you in becomes glory. So he changes the position of Israel at this moment. He says, no longer will you be in a foreign land. I'm going to give you a land, but I'm going to give you my spirit. And then it says, so that you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Now, it's awesome to realize and know that you have something in you. How many people can say amen to that? It's great to recognize that when you come before the Father and you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you surrender your life to the Father, this wretched body and this wretched soul becomes a glorious son and that which was 
I mean, I'm telling you, we were condemned to hell because of sin. And God comes and says, I will form you, I will mold you, and I will fill you. And all that is fine and dandy, but if you don't use what is in you. You know, the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 8, and I'm just going to quote this stuff. You could write it down and make sure I'm not making this up and you shall go home and say he was saying the truth. In Romans chapter 8 verse 10, we notice that God has placed within us the power of resurrection. In Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, we will recognize that in Christ, in us, we live by faith and by love. In us, by the Spirit of God. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27, the Bible says that God willed with Christ in you that you shall live in hope and glory. That's what's in you. In Romans 15, 13, it says God of hope will fill you inside of you with joy and peace. How many people can say amen to that? Give the Lord a clap offering for all those things that God can give us. Amen. Valuable, priceless treasures despite how dirty and insignificant we are. This is what God does. This is what we possess. Now I'm going to give you a practical example, true story. You know, my wife has this thing that's called a purse. How many people can say amen to that? It's a purse, man. It's like Dora's backpack. Just keep taking things out. It's like a never-ending bag, Tito. I don't know where it ends. She has everything in there. When we had children, whatever you needed, it was in that bag. It was like Dora the Explorer's book bag. It had everything. How did she take it out? I don't know. As a matter of fact, I know that when she tells me it's in my purse, I'm like, you go look for it. I'm I'm not even going to try Because not only is it deep, real deep, it has so many compartments that they're all useful to her. And men would just use the whole bag and no compartments, but the compartments, all 25 compartments within that purse, there are certain things everywhere scattered. All, I'm telling you, it's a disaster, but she knows everything that's in it. When we go to a restaurant, I say, hey, when we leave, I say, you have your wallet, right? She says, yeah, I have my wallet. I don't even look. I said, all right, by faith. I walk by faith with that situation, not by sight. There are times that we go out and, and she, she digs her hand in that purse, going for that wallet, and she starts moving that thing around. She starts getting me nervous. She says, you got it, right? I got it, Leo, I got it. And she's searching for that thing and searching for that thing. She starts taking things out. I'm like, hey, you're getting me nervous for real? Do you have it in there? She says, no, I know it's in here. I know it's in there. I said, all right. Eventually, she finds the wallet. Thank the Lord she found it because now she can't use it. I want to ask you today, what has the enemy brought your way that you can't find what's in you? What's so messy in your life? What's so out of order that when it's time to use it, you say, hold on, Lord, let me look for it. The truth is this, what's in us should be ready to use at all times. It gets even crazier. Some stuff's in us and, and you can't really see it because of everything going on. But sometimes things are, are in us that they're so evident that we don't see them, but other people do. Can I give you an example? This is for the crazy people and it's not here at the nest. It's all the way Miami, the crazy people. Has this ever happened to you where, where you know, you're talking and you're on and you say, 
uh, my, my wife, I'm using my wife. Anika, do you know where my phone is? I can't find my phone. I said it was for the crazy people not here, guys. <laughs> and then you start talking with the phone in your hands. And you're like, I can't find it. I've looked everywhere. I look here. I look there. I don't even know where the phone is. And, and, and look, look, you know where the phone is? And my wife is just looking at me like, are you serious? The phone is in your hand. We laugh. But it's just like the spirit. You're like, where's the Lord? I don't see him. I can't picture him. And somebody's looking and saying, are you crazy? Well, you know what you've gone through? Look at everything that the Lord has done in your life. It's right before you, man. What's wrong with you? It's right in your hands. I will put my spirit in you, says the Lord. Last example, promise you. And then we keep going because we all relate to this stuff. So, you know, our churches, this church is not an autonomous church. This church is part of a bunch of churches, including ours. You have a family all over the world, all over. And because of that, myself and Pastor Regal sometimes and my brother and other pastors travel to other churches to preach. So one of these times... When they called me to uh, go to Ohio and preach at the convention, you know, I said, Anika, come with me. She says, all right, we'll go. And I said, but I don't want you to do anything this trip. I'm going to plan the whole trip myself. And for that to happen, God has to be real. <laughs> so we show up to the, to the airport. The car is ready. I get the car. Everything's perfect. I mean, the weekend was fantastic. I mean, I applauded myself every moment of the day and tell, because that's my character, telling my wife how good of a job I have done this entire trip. Any men know what I'm talking about? Until the last day, the last morning of the trip, where I lost the keys to the rental. Listen to me. I was going to miss the last Sunday of the bishop's church service. I was having a heart attack. It was under 20 degrees. I was freezing, looking in the snow for keys. I mean, I asked the attendant. I asked the, the maintenance person. Anika's in a dress with high heels on the floor, looking under. I, I knew this wasn't going to work. I'm, at the end of this thing, I knew the Lord is humbling me. But it gets worse. I caught AAA. They're going to come with a towing service. They're going to tow the car. I need to rent another car. I mean, this is a disaster. And then he says, Leo, think. Think where you put the keys. I said, I thought, Anika. And she says, you checked your pockets, right? No. I told her, of course I checked my pockets. And when she turned around, I said, oh, my God, I didn't check my pockets. <laughs> Guess where the keys are at? It, it's like what the Lord puts in your life. It's in your pocket. And you said you looked for it, but you really didn't look for it. And I found the keys, and I told her, let's just go. I found the keys. <laughs> and I felt like a fool because I was being humbled, but that's what the Lord does to us. He humbles us. She knew where I found the keys, actually. So listen, in the midst of all these things, when you think you're lost and you think you don't have it in you or a situation arises with some pressures or whatever the case may be. I want to talk about one thing that we talked about here in Romans 
And it's joy and peace that God can give us in the midst of pressures. Because I know that God has created us not only to experience the mountaintops, but to also strive and succeed in the valleys. Because His Spirit is in us. And we have a condition now that is heavenly and holy. And because of that, we can deal with whatever valley comes our way. So, somebody just say that to your spirit. Peace and joy. That's in you. When you think you lost it, it's in you. It can't get out of you. Because when the spirit comes, it deposits that. That's the character of Christ. You have, you have peace and joy within you despite whatever the circumstances are. Look what Jesus tells his disciples in John 16, 31 through 33. I'll paraphrase it. It says that Jesus states to them, you will be scattered. This is when he's about to be crucified. He tells them, you will be scattered amongst yourselves. You will leave me. I will be alone and so will you. But Jesus tells them, have peace in me because I have conquered the world. We must understand that we have peace, we have joy, we have everything that we need inside of us because we are vessels of a glorious treasure that has changed our condition. And because of that, despite the position that the disciples were going to be placed in, they were going to flourish. And greater than those pressures that they went through, we have absolutely nothing to, to talk about. Whatever we're going through here, it adds up to nothing. So that was my introduction today. Now I'm going to preach. Ready? In the book of Acts, let's all turn there. And you guys have to turn there because if not, you will be lost with everything I'm talking about here. In the book of Acts, uh, chapter 12. We'll start off with um, looking at, at an individual, and we'll look at a body, and you, you'll understand what I'm talking about. We will look at the condition of this individual and the condition of the church in this story, and how they were able to flourish and allow the condition that was in them to surpass the position they were in. You guys ready? I hope this word will forever change your hearts and forever change your minds in regards to how you think of yourself and you think of the Lord and you think of our ability in the Lord. I pray that. I speak that over you today. I hope that from this point on, you will recognize the power that dwells within you and the fact that despite who you are, God's purpose will conquer that. In the, books, in the book of Acts, chapter 12, verses 1 through 9, I don't have that on me. So I'm going to ask somebody just to just read that to the congregation here so that I can just piggyback off what you're going to read. So if you're confident in the way you speak with your voice, go right ahead. Verse 1. You may want to, yeah, there you go. Okay, pause there. Thank you. So I'm going to be doing this so rudely, interrupting you here. <clears throat> Herod's rule. Somebody shout that out. Herod's rule. Herod's rule. Every single one of you have a Herod. <laughs> the Bible says that the enemy 
shoots fiery darts at us. So everyone has a Herod. So don't think that just because you're being persecuted or a stretched out arm, because some of your translations state that Herod's arm was stretched out against, there was an intent against to destroy the church because it pleased the Jews. Herod has a role. And Herod's role is so that my condition can shine. Because it's an intent to destroy, but it did not destroy. That's just King Herod's statement for you guys. You keep on going? Go ahead. He killed James. Somebody say, killed James? That means he beheaded him. Keep going. And when he seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. Okay, stop there. We're going to preach now. All right, so if there was anybody, if there was anyone of the disciples to get arrested and be put in this position, I'd choose Peter. The guy who sliced the ear off of a guard. The one who rebuked Jesus. You guys know Peter, right? Peter was crazy, man. He was a maniac, dude. He was wild. He was emotional. He couldn't hold himself. It's like myself and a little bit of your pastor. Like, it's just a, a passion that if there was anybody that Herod could arrest and could get this done and fight back, it was Peter. It was Peter. Come on, man. Let's do this, Peter. How are we going to do this? And the Bible says that he arrested, right? He arrested him. And prior to that, what happened to James? He was put to death. They cut his head off, right? So you guys know what was coming for Peter, right? Death. I want you guys to understand the position that God placed Peter in. Everybody has a Herod. Here's Peter, man. Preaching the gospel. This is the main preacher of the disciples. This is the one that would preach and 5,000 would be saved. I'm talking about this is the one that was the head of the church at the moment. That the Lord says, on your declaration, on your statement, I will build the church. This is Peter. And what was in store for Peter? Death. It was a sure thing. How many people can say amen? This is the position. How many of you go into a position that you feel like there's no way out and there's death here? Like there's no way out. Like four squadrons and between two guards, there's no way out. Like this is an impossible situation. How many people have impossible situations? Your position isn't greater than your condition. <laughs> go ahead. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Stop, please. 
Here comes the second condition and position of the church. Let me talk about their position first. What happened to James? You think the church just started praying now? Or do you think the church prayed for James? Of course the church prayed for James. And James died. But the church understood this. That despite whatever they had experienced. And despite not knowing what was going on with Peter. They knew that they had to pray constantly. Have you ever prayed and something died on you? Keep praying. The condition that the church was in was they had lost a disciple. That was the, sorry, that was the position that they were placed in. But their condition says we keep praying. Constant prayer. When your prayers meet your prison, let that sink in. Here it is. The Royal Rumble, the big fight, your prayers and your prison. The church's prayers and Herod's actions. <laughs> this is it. The church prayed constantly. I look at that statement and what catches my attention more between Peter being in jail or the church constantly praying, for me, what catches my eyes is the fact that the church is still praying. Can we be honest? Our hair, I don't have hair, but your hair is one way. And because you don't want it that way, you throw your hands up and say, God doesn't exist. You pray for something. And forget about not changing. It goes against what you're praying. What do you respond? They prayed for James. And I'm sure they prayed for safety. I'm sure they prayed, release him, Lord. Get him free. We need him. He's a great disciple. Take him out of that bondage. Break those chains. You guys know that prayer, see? And then they cut his head off. And the church sees that. But the Bible says, they constantly prayed. So despite whatever they experienced with James, they kept on praying. I want to let you know that despite whatever you experienced in your past, you keep praying. <laughs> you keep praying. So here we go. The condition of the church was amazing despite the position that they were in. Peter's condition has always been a problem. <laughs> He's never been one to be proper. Never I'm expecting Peter to, I don't know, like, if you will. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping. Stop, 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 stop. Oh. I'm not losing, listen, I'm about to lose it if this was my house right now. Oh. Listen here, oh. listen here now, ready? We can't sleep. For any small reason. You have a tough day ahead of you tomorrow and you can't sleep. 
You had a, you had a fight with your husband, and the and sun shouldn't fall on your, wrath, uh, the, on your wrath, but at the end of the day, you can't sleep because of it. So many little things steal our sleep. Sleep brings, I mean, you're at peace when you're sleeping. Here is Peter, the night before he dies. And what is he doing? How? Peter, what do you know? What, what happened, Peter? I got to be honest with you. He learned from his mistakes. You guys know the story about the boat? When the wind and the rain came? Where was Jesus? What was he doing? He was sleeping. No, he, he walked on one of them. But on the other occasion, he was where? He was down under the boat. And what was he doing? Sleeping. In the middle of the storm. And they wake him up. Master, master, we're going to die. Imagine, Peter was there. He's seen this. We're going to die. I can't. And Peter's probably the loudest one of them all. And probably who knows what else he's doing. And Jesus says, oh, ye of little faith, if you shall believe. Jesus walks up and says, calm to the wind and be still to the waves. Everything stopped. And there was a calm. Peter looked at that and said, hmm. I think Peter was at a position in his life where he matured so much and he learned from all of Pharaoh's roles in his life that he came to a place where his condition was so good because everything that the enemy meant to destroy him worked out for his good. And here he is sleeping between two guards in chains like we can't even like we go on vacation we got to take our own pillow we can't even sleep without a pillow imagine sleeping next to two guards two grown men two grown men probably you know hygiene wasn't the best back then but two grown men right in between them in chains the guy was peter was probably sitting and i don't know but he was sleeping he was sleeping so much that we will read that the angel of the Lord had to kind of like shake him up and say, quickly arise. The condition that Peter was in was one of complete peace in the middle of the position that God had placed him in. Because it's about condition over position. If his condition inside was not where it needed to be, his outside would be destroyed. So here he is, church, in between two and surrounded by many. And he's sleeping. I pray in the name of Jesus that we could find the peace that comes from heaven to spiritually sleep and relax in moments when you're losing it. And with very good reason. But he's sleeping. His last day on earth. He's sleeping. That's beautiful. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Bound with two chains. And sentries before the door. Regarding the prison. And behold. An angel of the Lord. <laughs> stood next to him. You know in moments where the doors are shut. The chains are locked and there's no way out. Somebody, somebody read that again to yourself. The angel of the Lord appears. <laughs> That's so good. I want to let you know that God has not forsaken us or left us. 
He's not forgotten about you. He knows exactly where you're at. He's put everything you need inside of you at the moment. He hasn't left you. My goodness, I want you to understand that your position in your marriage, your position in your finances, your position in every situation that you are in, the place, that's the position, what God has given you inside of you to dwell can overcome any position that you are placed in today. Continue. And a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side, and he woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. <laughs> Jesus. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. Stop, stop, stop. Remember Peter, who we're talking about. Remember who we're talking about. All right? Crazy Peter, like... Out of control, Peter. Can't be stuck. No limits on this guy. I believe that he was able to sleep so at peace because he trusted God in his word. Let me explain myself. The church was not yet built. And remember in Ezekiel where we read that God said it and he will perform it? Remember that? Well, when Peter finally locked eyes with Jesus in an intimate conversation post-resurrection. Jesus looked at him and says, feed my sheep. Now, who do you say I am at that moment, he says. Forget about the girls, the, the little girls that made you fall and everything else that you went through, Peter. And, but right now, Peter, what, what, who do you say I am? And he says, you are the Christ the son of the living God. And he says, on that, I shall build my church. That was a moment. That was a moment when he locked eyes with God, with Jesus. And that moment, when he locked eyes, that intimate moment of revelation, where, he, where the son of God was revealed to him, that was enough for him to say, I'm untouchable. I'm invincible. You want to kill me tomorrow? Go right ahead. It's not going to happen because I believe him at his word. He says, on my declaration, he shall build my church. The church isn't built yet, so try whatever you want. I'm going to go to sleep today, and when we wake up, we'll talk about it then. But God told me that he shall build his church on my words, and that's not done yet. So you know what? I'm at peace. If we could trust him at his word, <laughs> and if we could trust him at the revelations that we received from him, if we could go back to those times when you locked eyes with him, it brings you to the correct condition. Peter's w woken up. Like, I would have left Joe naked. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I mean, let's get out of here, you know. And the angel says, um, Peter, I need you to quickly get up. Quickly get up. Hmm. And get dressed, Peter. And Peter says, what does it say that, what, what does it explain his action? And he did what? What he, he said. He did so. He did so. He did so. He did so. Somebody shout that out. He did so. He did so. Sometimes all we need to do is just be what? Obedient. Just do so. You don't understand. You don't know what's going to happen. You may be in a daze. You might be in an impossible situation. But just do so. Obedience always comes before freedom. Understand that 
that when he stands, the chains were broken. It wasn't the chains were broken and then he stood. Some of us need to understand that process, that you want to see it before you do it. And that's not the way God works. God wants you to do it so then you could see it. And, and it's pretty simple here. Your obedience will usher in, will bring in your freedom, your miracle, and everything else. It's obedience that pleases God. Obedience before sacrifice. That's what God wanted to see from Peter. And the angel says, get up, quickly get up. As he stood up, his chains broke off. I mean, that's glorious. Some, some of us need to stand up. No, I can't. Imagine, look at the situation. How can I stand up? Can't you see everything around you? He says to get up. Peter could have looked at him and said, can't you see my chains? I'm shackled here. I can't move. I'm between two guards. I mean, Peter, remember Peter? The one that looked at Jesus straight in the eyes and says, I rebuke you. That Peter. The Peter, I, I mean, come on, we know who we're talking about. But he fell asleep, and when he woke up, the angel said to him, get up quickly. He didn't ask anything. He stood up, and his chains fell. Stop wondering how God's going to do it. Just be obedient. You want to know how he's going to do it? Like, if that was you there, you probably would have missed it. Because you would have been like, well, how are we going to get out of here? Do you have a plan? What's the plan? And when we pass the first guard, how are we going to get past the second guards? I mean, do you know that there are gates here that we can't really open by, by, by ourselves? What's the plan you got going on? And God is just telling you, get up. I'll take care of everything else, but stop it. Just get up. You don't have to know everything because you never will. Obedience will bring your blessing. Obedience will bring your freedom. Obedience will bring your miracle. Obedience, obedience, obedience. So after he says to get dressed, he then tells him, put your sandals on. Can you imagine that? I mean, I'd be telling him, come on, man, these guys are going to wake up. But he's at peace because he knows he's invincible. Sort of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he says, on this day, <laughs> I will not worship you. And even if, even if you throw me in that flame, it's okay. But I will not worship you. Even if my God doesn't come, it doesn't matter. Because when you're in the condition that God has placed you in, nothing, nothing shall bring death. But only life. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. How many of you guys, and this is, this is for you to witness right now, how many of you guys have been in a position in your life that when it was all said and done, you don't know how it happened? You don't know how it happened. I have no idea. Like, I, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm talking about myself, and then I'll jump on, on Pastor Rigo again, but myself, me being a pastor right now, I don't know how it happened. You know, I, I celebrated 20 years of ministry like two months ago, 20 years. If you ask me today how you do it, my answer is, I don't know. It was like a blur to me. How are you happily married? 
I don't know. It just happened. Peter was in a position where he's like, is this real? Like, have you ever been in a position where God's blessed you in such a way where you look at your life and you're like, this has to be fake. What is going on here? Me and my wife, when we're at home and we're sitting in the backyard, and I look at her and she looks at me, and it's 26 years now of being with her, and I said, I can't believe we've come this far. How did it happen? And we look at each other and we're like, we don't know. But it happened. When you prayed for that husband, when you prayed for that child, when you prayed for that ministry, and you thought it would never happen, and one day God does it, you'll look back and say to yourself, is this real? Has anyone ever told you to pray for something impossible? Raise your hand. Pray for something impossible. Man, this is going to put it together for you. Awesome. Praise the Lord. You start praying. As a matter of fact, you throw in a couple fasts. You fast a couple times and you pray. And all of a sudden, the person who told you to pray for them calls you and says, oh, my God. Blank happened, whatever the impossible situation is. And your response is, no way. For real? How many times have you caught yourself saying, yeah, it happened? <laughs> no way. I'm like, what do you mean, no way? You prayed for, we, we prayed for this. And you're like, no way. Can't happen. And that's how God works. And that's how he worked with Peter. Peter was in a state, my God, where with what God did, he thought it wasn't even real, like if he was still sleeping. And I'm going to end with this thought if um, a musician can come up here with me. The Bible says that the gates were open. And um, if you haven't listened to me all day, <laughs> I challenge you, uh, just some advice. Listen to the beginning of the sermon and the end of the sermon, and <laughs> sometimes you'll just be all right. You guys ready for the ending here? I need you to listen here. The Lord had such a great plan with Peter. He did so much for Peter. Loosening chains, freeing him. And getting to a point of this process where God says to him now, it's your turn. And what does that mean? The gates were open. I can just imagine Peter just looking at the gates being open. Put yourself in that position. Just stare up into the sky and act like it. Just put yourself in that position. You're looking at the gates that were closed. The gates were open. And now it's your turn. Your turn for what? Your turn to walk through. Walk through it. It's your turn now to show the world what God did in private. It was time for Peter to go through it, to go through the gates, and to go see the disciples. Because when he appeared, to the disciples. Rhonda, Rhonda, he knocks on the door 
And Rhonda says, who's this? Because they were hiding. The church was hiding, but they were praying. And Rhonda comes and says, who's this? He says, Peter. She says, no way. That's what they were praying for. Remember the, remember the example I gave you? That's what they were praying for. And then Rhonda goes to the disciples and says, guess what? Remember the phone call? Peter's alive. And you know what the church says? Yeah, right. Go look again. That can't be Peter. The church did that. Rhonda goes back to the door. It's me, man. You know, there's so many things that happen to us in different positions to strengthen our condition, to teach us who we really are. And so that the Lord can work in you and show you areas of weakness so that he could be made strong. It's a beautiful thing to leave this place here today. And I know we just celebrated Emmanuel, God with us. <laughs> but not only do we celebrate God with us, Emmanuel, we celebrate the Holy Spirit, God in us. <laughs> because all the time, all the time, it's not about what surrounds you all the time. I'm here to tell you here today, it's not what surrounds you all the time. It's not about that. That is if you believe that the Spirit of God is in you and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Because if you believe that, then always, always the position never matters. It will never dictate your life. What always matters is what's in you. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I don't know if you've done this or if you've ever done this, but when we come to church and we say this prayer and we come to church a couple times and we make it a routine or whatnot and, and things get very cliche and people say things that are so powerful and true but don't understand the meaning behind it. Today, understand that you don't deserve it, we don't deserve it. There's no way in the world there's anything we could do to earn it because we're nothing but dirt. Like I would tell you to look over to the person next to you and call him a dirtbag, but I don't know if that's the proper thing to do right now. <laughs> but that's what you are. And God deposits his spirit in you. In you. I'm going to ask you to stand with me here today. <clears throat> so for those individuals that are watching us online and those who are here with us today. I want you really to understand the meaning behind the Spirit of God in you. It's setting you up so that you shall live. And Ezekiel says that he put him, he placed him, right, in his own land. God gives you your own land so that you could live in it.
He gives you that family. He gives you that marriage. The people of Israel didn't have an easy life. But God said, you have my spirit in you and you shall live. I want you to understand that before we close off in prayer. And let's not use it like a cliche and not understand the power that dwells within you. Hallelujah. I ask if you could just bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you. That your spirit is in us. Hallelujah. Thank you for this spiritual transformation of the condition that we once were to who we are today. Thank you, Lord, that I once was, but today I am. Thank you for that transformation within that spiritual condition thank you and it's only through your spirit God thank you Lord God for the ability to live in despite whatever position you place us in let us be like Peter and sleep and be at peace in the face of whatever is there let us cuddle right next to it and welcome them right in <laughs> let us prepare a table for our enemies and tell them to have a seat because if he's not done we're just invincible to anything that the enemy could bring father we give you glory we give you honor all power and dominion belongs to you today and forever it's in the name of Jesus the one that the church is established on the son of the living God the very presence that dwelt in him is the one that dwells with us and resurrects this body it is the same spirit oh God that dwells in this mortal body oh God so today I pray for a change in their minds today in every mind that is listening and that they could recognize the glory and the power that lives inside of them and nothing defines us there's no position that defines us there's no place in hell that can come our way that can define us but what does define us is what dwells within us and that is we are children of God come on say that today I'm a child of God father we thank you and we give you glory it's in Jesus name and together we all say come on give the Lord a clap offering like you really mean that amen I pray that you were blessed by this word I pray in the name of Jesus that if you're ever down south, 
after you ask your pastor that you recognize that you have a family and brothers and sisters in Christ a little further uh, south than this. Amen. May God bless you in Jesus name. Happy New Year. Be a witness. Be a witness when you celebrate. When you count down, be a witness of what's dwelling within you because nothing defines you but the spirit that dwells in you. May God bless you in Jesus' name.